0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Live Better Now podcast. I got a special guest for you guys. Today, my guest is Dr. Rochelle Pajednik. She's an associate professor and program director of exercise science in Norwich University's health and human performance department and a research associate at the Institute of Lifestyle Medicine at Harvard Medical School. Now, I got connected with Dr. Pajednik because as you guys saw my recent episode with, uh, Joe DeSena, the CEO and founder of Spark, he invited me to the summer death race here in June of 2023. And obviously, I couldn't say no. He asked me if I wanted redemption from uh, my recent Ironman in Barcelona, where I missed the cutoff by six minutes. I said, absolutely. How am I going to get redemption? And that's when he uh, put the invite on the table. And uh, he connected me with Dr. Pajednik, because the beginning of my death race is going to be a two-day intensive... I'm going to call it military boot camp. I don't know much about it, but Norwich is a military college, and uh, this two-day boot camp is the start of my death race. I'm super excited, so I had to have Dr. Pajednik on the podcast to ask her some questions, uh, talk a little bit about exercise and nutrition, and uh, just really looking forward to death race. Dr. Pajednik, how are you doing today?
1: I am so great. Thanks so much for having me. Psyched to be here.
0: Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to hop on the podcast today. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about your credentials, some of your research, and uh, I guess we'll start from there.
1: Yeah, so I really operate both in the academic space in the nutrition and exercise world as well as in the fitness and wellness space. I like to think of my life as a series of Venn diagrams. Um, So I started in the fitness and wellness space way back. I was 18 years old, just a personal trainer back in the day, really excited. I was an athlete. And then it really has evolved through teaching science to middle schoolers, um, going back to school and getting a degree in nutritional biochemistry with a, a specialization in exercise physiology. So really trying to understand how nutrition affects exercise and vice versa. And for a while, I was looking at how to prevent chronic diseases, so diseases like type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, sarcopenia, so the tissue that I really care about is muscle. And that led me to Norwich University, which is, as you mentioned, a senior military college. So we are training the majority of our students to become what we call tactical athletes. So this could be a warfighter, so soldier, sailor, marine, um, guardian, and then We also have a significant amount of our students that go on to the alphabet agencies. So FBI, CIA, civil service, then they go to firefighting and police. And so along that way, I really started working with this tactical population to help enhance performance, um, recovery. And that's really where I live now is utilizing these very accessible modalities. So everybody eats, everybody has the opportunity to exercise. And it's funny because, again, this series of Venn diagrams, when you look at human performance optimization in warfighters, it's all the same pathways as it is for, I will call us amateur athletes on the back end, right? Or even just people trying to perform best at work. When you look at these pathways, how can you optimize is going to be pretty much the same across populations. You have to take a little bit more intention with some populations than others. But um, that's really where I land now is how can we take this information, give it to normal average humans like you and me, and then also to people that, you know, really need their bodies and their minds to be optimized in order to do their job and in some cases survive through their job.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I I think I would, if I had to guess, the analytics on Spotify and Apple of my uh, audience aren't super, super specific. But if I had to guess, I would say nine out of 10 of the people that are listening are not endurance athletes, are not ultra marathoners, are not Ironmen, and are not trying to do a Spartan ultra. But they do want to live a healthier life and they do want to perform better in their work and they do want to live longer and they do want to prevent chronic illnesses and disease. So, my first question for you. Is there some sort of test uh, that they can do this weekend to see how good of shape they're in? Whether it's how many, can you do 100 push ups within five minutes? Can you run a mile without stopping? Is there any tests that they can do to see their fitness level at, at the moment?
1: Yeah. So there are two that are really accessible to the average human um, one is going to test aerobic endurance, and then the other is going to test strength or strength endurance. Um, so the first one is we would call it the YMCA step test. You can go and find this on the you know, the Googles. Um, and basically what you're going to do is step for a series of times up and down, up and down, and you take your heart rate before and after. And there are norms that you can compare yourself to. So it sort of gives you, based upon your resting heart rate and then the heart rate that you get to, whether or not you're in fair, poor, good, excellent shape. That's one that's really accessible to every average human. And I will say that's a test that we use pretty regularly in the field for research because it's really hard to test aerobic capacity unless you're in, you know, a physiology lab, which we also do. Um, But this is one that we can use out in the field. The other is really interesting. And this doesn't really have like fantastic norms yet. um, But there was a really terrific study that was done about five or six years ago on firefighters. And what they found was that if they could do a certain amount of push-ups, then later on in life, they had significantly less risk for diseases like cardiovascular disease, which hits the firefighter population at, interestingly, an exponentially higher rate than it does even the average population. And we know cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of all humans on the planet. So, um, non-communicable disease. And so... There are uh, norms as well. And I can send you this if you want to put it in the, the links or we can we can sort of send it out. Um, but essentially, if you can do more than about 25 to 30 pushups in a row, you're in pretty good shape. Okay.
0: Yeah. All right. So the two tests, the YMCA test to test our far great. And then if you can do 25 to 30 pushups in a row. Yep. Well, if if I could share my screen right now, which I'm not going to, but if I could, I would show you my habit tracker. And one of the things on my habit tracker when it comes to my health category is doing 100 pushups a day. And and I do this without fail, usually before like 9 a.m. Now, I, I just want to get a little bit of advice from you. Is is that excessive? Like some days when I am sore, I still do the 100 pushups just because I'm trying to build that discipline. But is that is that a little aggressive? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Do you do them all in a row?
0: no i do them like either in three or four sets i'll do yeah. like 40 the first time 25 and then like 25 35 whatever the next time or i'll do it in the sauna i'll do like a 20 minute sauna session and then every minute i'll do 10 <laughs> something like that so well i don't know i just just some feedback for me real quick
1: yeah totally so two things that come up is first no not excessive so if you, if you can do three by 30 push-ups like that's actually you know that's pretty optimal. So I would say that that, you know, you're definitely on the higher end of health metrics, which is pretty awesome. And that's where we want to be, right? Like, especially at your moment in life with your age, like if you can have that, maximize it now, and then sort of try and maintain that as well as you can throughout your lifespan, that's in really good, you're in really good shape. The other thing that I'm thinking about with your sauna push-ups is one of the things that we know specifically about exercise, and you've talked about this on your podcast, is it is, as is sauna, an acute stressor on your body, right? And that's one of the most important things that we are finding. And this kind of goes back to Joe and all of the things that he talks about uh, with Spartan is that acute stressors, not long-term stress, right? So there's different types of stress that we want to be careful about. There are Stressors that are going to really negatively affect your body, long-term stresses, environmental stresses, anxiety, depression, those kinds of things. We want to avoid that. However, if we use things like exercise, and I'm intrigued about exercise in the sauna, um, I think all of the hot yogis would be really interested in that outcome, is the idea that if you can give your body and your mind acute, so short-term amounts of stress stress, that actually helps to increase health span over your lifetime. So when you think about lifespan versus health span, you know, the average human is going to live somewhere between 85 and 105 years old. And the biohackers are trying to like push that envelope a little bit, right? But really what we want to do with health span is to keep you as vibrant and, you know, living your day-to-day life as possible until the day you die. I like to think about it as I want to go, I don't play tennis, but I want to go play a game of tennis, have a glass of wine and go to bed and not wake up, right? Like that's kind of like I want to be feeling joy and going and doing my thing until literally the moment that I can't do it anymore. And so that when we think about these acute stressors, and there's a lot of data that's starting to come out about this. When we were looking at muscle, um, I, I mentioned my tissue is muscle. What we find is that muscle is a tissue that likes to have a little bit of inflammation, but just a little, you mentioned soreness, right? So just a little, we wanna stress it out. That's how we make it stronger. That's how we make it more robust. And this, as it turns out, is something that applies to all tissues in your body. A little bit of stress that you can control is going to be really helpful for you long-term. So I don't have any good data to say, do push-ups in the sauna work better than push-ups in your living room but I can tell you that a little bit of that added stress might be helpful.
0: Yeah I appreciate that answer and I want you to uh be completely honest with me and I don't want you to hold back and I know you'll do that because uh <laughs> you're you're that type of person but um I feel like I I do the push-ups in the sauna because I like to stack my habits and if I'm sitting in the sauna for 20 minutes I either want to be meditating or I want to be listening to a good audiobook or podcast, or I want to be banging out some pushups. So, you know, sometimes I do three of those things where I'm doing my 20-minute sauna, I'm doing push-ups, and I'm listening to, to a good audiobook or podcast. So all about just, like, optimizing my time and creating more Air- time, being efficient, things like that. I don't think, uh, oh, I definitely don't do push-ups in the sauna, just because I think they're better in the sauna. It's kind of <laughs> just a good time for me to do it because I, I can't sit still. But um, my, my next my next question, my next topic that I kind of want to pivot to is about nutrition. Because there is so, there's a plethora of information out there and a lot of stuff contradicts other things and as more and more people have a platform and more and more people tweet and have podcasts and write books, which is very, very easy now, I feel like uh, we get overwhelmed. And I myself get overwhelmed as well. You know, I, I try intermittent fasting, then I go to not fasting, then I try just, you know, doing a whole 30 or I try a uh, vegetarian and then I'm like, oh no, just fruit and meat and like try to come up what works best for me. And obviously it depends like if I'm training or am I not training right now? I'm in week two uh, of a 16 week training block for Ironman Cosmo and uh, you know, I'm burning 2,500 calories a day for sure. You know, yesterday I, I was on the bike for over an hour. The day before that, I ran four miles and swam 1,500 yards. And, you know, it's, it's been a, even though it's only week two, I, I know it's only going to ramp up. And so I'm trying to figure out what works best for me, but what works best for me might not work best for Dr. Pachetnik. What works best for you might not work best for, you know, James over there. So I want to get your answer and I want to get your perspective on like, if there is a protocol for the human being. Or is it really just specific to that person, their biology, their physiology, their uh, activity level, so on and so forth?
1: Yeah, it's such a good and important question. And as this field of precision nutrition starts to really evolve, this is a question that you know the researchers are asking, individual humans are asking. Biohackers have been sort of at the like leading edge of this for a long period of time. I will tell you this: there are common threads among everything that you just talked about that are really important for every human being. When we look at the, you know, the full plethora of data that we have, how you apply those threads are going to be different depending on whether or not you are training for two, three hours a day or you are at your desk on a Tuesday afternoon editing a podcast, right? So those are going to be really different applications, but the threads remain the same. I'll tell you what the threads are. It's fairly simple. If we were to choose and fill your plate, what you want to be thinking about are fruits, vegetables, meats that have a significant amount of unsaturated fat. So these tend to be fish because the unsaturated fat specifically we know to be a potent antioxidant, anti-inflammatory that your body knows what to do with. Um, Adding in things like spices and, you know, these places where we tend to spend a ton of money on Uh, supplements. We can get these from the food system. Um, Hydration is going to be key. And if you can sort of nail all of those things, you're going to be getting the right amount of carbohydrate, both um, complex carbohydrates, starches, and fibers, which are really important. You're going to be getting the right amount of protein. You're going to be getting the right amount and the right type of fat. And you're also going to be hydrated. We know that dehydration can be really impactful for performance. So if you can nail that most of the time, you're going to be in really good shape. Again, there are ways that we would strategize for somebody that is training hard, for somebody that is, um, you know, sedentary most of the week, but works really hard on the weekends, for somebody that is, um, has a hard time exercising at all. There are ways that we would strategize this based upon calorie intake. And you mentioned, I'm burning 2,500 calories a day that's just an exercise, right? That's not including your, you know, basal needs of like what your body needs to recover, what your brain needs in order to function appropriately. And so I think this is where the nuance and the precision really starts to become important. And in that case, if you can hit these main threads, so fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, lean, um, unsaturated fat type of proteins, hydration, in that case, you're 90% of the way there. That last 10% is really going to depend on you, your activity, and then potentially also some genetics.
0: Right. Okay. Good answer. You know, it it, it seems very elementary and very basic. And I like to keep, even though I know your knowledge and and your experience and your research can go so in depth, so in depth. I just don't think this audience is the type of people that want to know a lot about the science. You know, and and it's great. I'm very interested in the science. I really am. I love I love learning about physiology and biohacking Same. and central nervous system and how we can operate as efficiently and as optimally as possible. But uh, I like to keep a lot of these conversations simple, simple and applicable. Yeah. Right. So you know what can these people be doing? Taking those two tests. Can you do thirty push-ups? You know, do the YMCA test. How's your heart rate? You know, making sure you're eating fruits and veggies, making sure you're eating a protein that have uh, unsaturated fat, nuts, seeds, leafy greens. But I wanted to touch on the supplements real quick because I'm someone who goes back and forth of, should I be taking supplements? Should I not be taking supplements? I still do strength training. I like to lift weights often uh, and obviously do push-ups and things like that. And typically over the last, you know, 15 to 20 years of my strength training journey, it's like, oh, you got to drink protein shake 15 minutes after uh, a workout. And I've been doing that, you know, here and there, but I've realized that protein kind of makes me feel bloated. And after I drink a protein shake, I get kind of lethargic and, you know, my stomach kind of hurts. So I don't think protein really mixes well with me. And then I'm like, okay, well, let me make sure I get my protein from food and things like that. But to take that one step further, and I'm going to get to the question I promised, is like, what supplements should I be taking? So I'm like, all right, what are the most important supplements? I do a lot of research. All right. Seems like uh, fish oil, omega-3s, like those type of fats, they're good for the joints. They're good for brain health. They're good for skin and nails. That that seems like a pretty good one. And then I hear magnesium. You know, our body doesn't really produce a lot of magnesium and magnesium is good to get get high quality sleep. So, so take before you go to sleep. And then I hear about L-theanine, and I'm like, okay, wait a second, who do I know that knows the most about this? Oh, Andrew Huberman, right? Stanford, right? So let me listen to Huberman Lab. I'm listening to Huberman Lab, and every 30 seconds I hear, buy this supplement, Momentous this, AG1 this, and I'm like, hmm... I'm like, yeah, you know, AG1 is definitely paying this guy, you know, a couple seven figures to be talking about this. And I guarantee you, Momentus is definitely paying him a couple seven figures to do this. And that bed he talks about that he brings with him when he travels. I'm calling bullshit on that. Right. So I'm like, "Mm," you know, and he has, you know, I don't know the exact analytics. He definitely has 20 million people that probably listen every episode. They don't publicize. It's not disclosed how many listeners he has but there's 35 million people that listen to podcasts on Spotify. He's the number one. There's 30 million people listen on Apple. He's number one. So I'm like, all right, what should I be doing? And supplementation, I promise I'm getting to the question. Supplementation is something that you don't see an immediate effect. For example, if I go on the bike, my legs feel pumped. They feel swollen. I'm on the bike for two hours and, and man, I'm feeling good and strong. But taking fish oil for a week. I don't really see a difference. And this stuff is expensive. So can you elaborate a little bit on your perspective and your opinion on supplements and things like that?
1: Yeah, sure. So I think one thing that you just mentioned that's really important is we do get a lot of information, a lot of paid information from sources, even really highly trained and reputable sources. Um, The one thing that I would just say about listening to different podcasts is A person can't be an expert in everything, right? And this is why they bring in the experts. So my suggestion, and this is just a blank, not to necessarily respond to a specific podcaster or not, is to listen to the advice of the experts that they bring in rather than the practices necessarily that they engage in or the products that they're pushing. Because at the end of the day, there's potentially an ulterior motive there to your point. Um, When we think about supplementation, there actually are sort of three different reasons why you would supplement one is essentially to add something to your diet that you might not be getting so for example if you're a vegan you are not intaking enough b12 there's just no way to get it from plant foods so supplementing is critical right if you are a person that lives in the cold weather climates northeast um, you are not making vitamin d in your skin in the winter time it's impossible to do so taking a vitamin d supplement is a really good idea If you just have, you know, you're a small person like me and you just don't have a ton of intake of food, you might want to think about a multivitamin, right? Where it's just like, I know some days I'm not getting enough of one thing. So I just top everything off with a multivitamin during the day. So that's strategy number one. Strategy number two is what you were talking about where we're taking a supplement to enhance something right now. And there are certain supplements that can do that, right? So you can take a supplement and feel something right away. A lot of the herbals will act this way where you take something and you feel better in, you know, several hours to 24 to 48 hours, right? And there's a, a decent amount of supplementation research that shows that the, that is the case. Although that one, those are potentially lacking. The last, and this is where you're talking about with something like omega threes where you're like, I don't feel any different. You'll feel different at age 84 if you take mm-hmm. these supplements. Okay. And this is something that's really hard in the nutrition space where everything is a soundbite, everything is 30 seconds, everything is I want to feel better right now. We really don't give enough credit to the longevity piece. Remember, longevity is not can I live to 120. It's can I live to 120 well. And so when we look at a supplement like omega-3 is what we see – Those are beneficial for brain health to make sure that we don't have neurodegeneration. Okay, when does neurodegeneration happen? Starts to happen at age 65, 70, 75. So if you're consistent with your omega-3s during your lifespan, those are the times when you're going to hopefully not notice declines in performance. Things like omega-3s are really important for cardiovascular health. When do you develop cardiovascular issues, atherosclerosis, have a heart attack? 65, 70, 75. So you have to think about these things where, yes, you want to feel better right now and there's certainly some supplements that can help with that and performance in this moment. And there are also things that you want to think about making sure that you have on board for your whole life so that your 85-year-old self will thank your 40-year-old self right now for thinking about them, um, you know, in the proactive sense.
0: Got it. Okay. So... I want to get a, a quick opinion from you on what I should be doing. This is not for the audience, even though they're going to listen to this. <laughs> I want to know what I should be doing. So based on what you just said, I feel like I should start taking fish oil omega-3s again. Good idea. Okay. And then- the Especially only-
1: if you don't eat a lot of fish, which people tend to not eat enough. So yes, I would say great idea.
0: Okay. So uh, do you have a brand that you recommend?
1: I don't. Um, the one thing that I do say is you want to make sure that there's just a really solid third party testing. So I work with a lot of athletes, and the supplement industry is very unregulated from a testing perspective. And so there can be a lot of contaminants that end up in products. So I would say don't buy the really cheap stuff um, just because there's, uh, you know, potential risk there. However, Be really careful about the very expensive labeled stuff too, because if they're not third-party testing, like if you get an Instagram ad that comes across and they're like, we're going to personalize this supplement just for you. And you're paying a hundred dollars a bottle and there's no third-party testing. You don't really know what's in there. Anybody, anybody can call a formulator and become a supplement provider, guru, whatever. So be careful. Third-party testing is what you want to be looking
0: for. And then magnesium, should I be taking magnesium?
1: Magnesium is an interesting one. So um, if you take a multivitamin, you should be getting enough magnesium in your day. There are specific molecules of magnesium that can be helpful for things like sleep, cardiovascular health, and each one comes with its own little buddy. It can come with an amino acid. It can come with another um, mineral. Um, It's certainly not going to hurt you, although I will tell you this. With supplements, you want to be very careful because we live in a society where we feel if a little is good, a lot is better. And in supplements specifically, these are in, they tend to be supra physiologic doses, meaning they're in amounts that your body doesn't really know what to do with. So stand, you know, 100% of your daily value is going to be great. So if you look at your multivitamin and you've got 100% of your magnesium in your multivitamin, you're good to go. Um, The other thing that I would caution you with magnesium specifically is that several of them are used as a laxative, like they specifically are going to have a laxative effect. So if you think of milk of magnesia, Uh, um, yep. So be careful when you're choosing the magnesium supplements, read the back label and make sure you're not choosing the laxative version.
0: Okay. So omega-3s got the feedback on magnesium. I'll make a decision on magnesium. Is there anything else that you think is essential?
1: So if you're thinking about performance, um, we think, you know, protein is always going to be critical. So making sure that you're getting enough of that protein, even if the shakes make your stomach feel, uh, you know, a little queasy, choose another product. We do know that getting enough protein, which is about um, two grams per kilogram of body weight per day, give or take. So. The recommendation for the average human is 0.8. We're seeming to think that that's not quite enough. Up to about 0.2 is where you're going to see performance benefits. Um, So two grams per kilo per day, I tend to think of as average for the athletic human. Um, And there are other products. So it might be the if you're taking a whey protein or a whey isolate, that can be a little bit irritating. So if you look at products that are protein Make sure that you're getting a full complement of the amino acids, particularly the essential amino acids. There are nine. Um, You can get, you know, plant proteins, you can get pea proteins, you can get others that are going to be helpful. Collagen is not a complete protein, so be careful about that one. There's very limited data on whether or not collagen is helpful for recovery. Interesting. Um, So you want to be looking for that full complement of amino acids.
0: Okay. All right. Omega threes and protein for sure, and uh, I'm going to make a decision on the magnesium. Yep. All right. All right. So there's two. There's two more things I just want to talk about because I know you're super busy, and uh, I really appreciate your time. So on June 28th, I'm flying to uh, Vermont, and I'm going to be going lucky. through. It you're very lucky. I am. I. You, you know. I feel, I feel very grateful and appreciative that Joe put this offer on the table because I, this is a once in a lifetime uh, experience opportunity. And uh, getting the invite from the CEO and founder of Spartan himself is something that I could not have said no to. And I do not want to say no. And um, I'm going to be bringing a couple buddies of mine uh, that have done ultra Spartan races and Ironmans and things like that. So we're going to have a good team and a good crew and a lot of support around each other and accountability, which is going to help all of us uh, get through this um, treacherous is the word I'm going to use uh, experience. But tell, can you fill me in a little bit? about this. I'm going to call it a two-day military boot camp that yep. I'm going to be going through. What what should I be expecting?
1: Yeah. So we are calling this MERTAC. So this is a collaboration between Norwich University Senior Military College and Spartan. We are also super thrilled about it. So MERTAC, everything in the military has an acronym, everything. Um, so this one stands for Military Resilience and Tactical Athlete Course, MERTAC. Um, and so what this is, is a real combination of some of the physical training that we do with our warfighters, with our special operators. Um, so if you come to Norwich, you'll know that we have a we have our own mountain. It's called, fittingly so, Pain Mountain, named after a human, but there it is. Um, and so we're going to be camping out on Pain Mountain. You're going to be eating MREs, which are the um, nutrition that we give to our warfighters because they can pack it and put it, you know, they can carry it with them. So you're getting an experience of of that. And then we're going to put you in the classroom and we're going to have you working with, so alternating this physical training, we're going to have you working with the professionals that work and help the, you know, the the people, the tactical athletes that need human performance optimization for their job. So this is going to apply to sports athletes. Um, but really this is, we take this super seriously because if somebody doesn't do these things, you know. Especially if they're out, um, you know, they're out uh, wherever they're going to be stationed in the world. It's really important that they understand how to do this so that they come home. So there's a really serious element of this as well. And so you're going to be learning from our best experts on nutrition, on sleep, on stress and resilience. Um, you're going to be learning from one of the premier. Um, strength and conditioning coaches in the country so Scott Caulfield is our strength and conditioning coach he's amazing been working with tactical athletes and elite level athletes for the whole time you're going to be hearing from our wrestling coach Alex Whitney who is really good friends with Joe to think about how to optimize your emotional resilience and you know when you're in a situation and you are feeling super stressed out and there are a million things going on around you how can you become really internalized, really focused so that you're not distracted? So we're really taking this across the board. You're going to be experiencing the physical elements of what it means to be a tactical athlete, as well as really learning what the, the knowledge that you need to have and the experiential um, components that you need to have to perform at the highest level when it matters most.
0: Okay, amazing. All right, great. Awesome. Thank you so much for all the info. I'm super excited to uh, take on the death race and take on Murtak and Pain Mountain. Uh, I I love getting out of my comfort zone. I I started to recently uh, take leaps of faith on uh, different experiences. And when I started my Ironman journey back in 2021, 2020, uh, it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. And it led to so many other amazing opportunities. And uh, and I just want to say for all the people out there, um, I want to thank everyone that listens to the podcast because. The numbers are consistently going up. We've reached over 610 Spotify followers, which is amazing. We're about to cross 75,000 streams. Uh, we're currently at 76 reviews on Apple Podcasts. Let's see if we can get that up to 100 by the end of May. And uh, the podcast has been a great platform for me to connect with amazing individuals, including yourself, Dr. Pajednik, uh, you know, Joe DeSena, other New York Times bestselling authors, and uh, people that are just living life to the fullest. So as we conclude this episode, uh, I do want to play a little game with you. This is a game I do like to play with doctors and therapists and coaches and experts and and uh, it's short. It's really short. I promise. Uh, I'm gonna just say a, a word, and it's gonna be somewhat health related. Uh, some some of these have like very positive benefits. Some of these have very negative benefits. And I just want to get like your initial feedback. You don't have to, one word. It could be great. It could be awful. It could be oh my god, never do that. It could be that's amazing. It could be no comment because some of these are a little like, I wouldn't say controversial, but please feel free to say no comment. And, uh, you know, off the record between you and I, if any of these come up that you don't even want me to put in the podcast, we will edit it out. Okay. But if it's something you don't like, just say no comment. Okay. Got it. Okay. Cold plunge. Pretty good. Okay. Yoga.
1: Good for your brain. Okay. Intermittent fasting. Not good. Okay. HGH. Controversial. Ice cream. Delicious.
0: Red light therapy.
1: Not enough data, potentially helpful.
0: Okay. EMF radiation. Same. Okay. Blue light exposure.
1: Not good for sleep. Yogurt. Really good for the gut. Ice cream, potentially better.
0: (laughs) Oh my God, that's life-changing. Soda.
1: (laughs) Uh, Don't drink it. Coffee. Really good in the morning, really bad in the afternoon.
0: Okay. Psilocybin.
1: Very interesting. Some really fantastic data coming out. Not ready for prime time yet.
0: Okay. Alcohol.
1: Uh, one drink per day for women, two drink per day for men. Be careful of the headlines. Okay.
0: Okay. Masturbation.
1: Fun. Okay. Adderall. Controversial, really helpful for some people, not to be taken lightly.
0: Okay. And last one, marijuana.
1: The data is really questionable. I'll elaborate ever so slightly. I have a couple of studies right now looking at CBD. There are a lot of claims being made specifically in the health and recovery space. There are five studies on muscle health and recovery in humans. And most of them are null, which means there was no benefit.
0: Interesting. But I'm,
1: I'm bullish, but we'll see.
0: Bullish on, C, bullish on CBD. On CBD. What, about, what about THC?
1: Yeah, THC is, you know, we could go into this for a long period of time, but the amount of THC is really important. More tends to probably not be better for your health.
0: Yeah, and especially the brain?
1: Especially the brain. Yeah. Got it. Not my not my area specifically with brain health, but um, it does seem that the data shows that the strains have more and more THC in them and that could potentially be harmful.
0: Got so it. Awesome. Dr. Bajednik, thank you so much for your time today. I know you're super busy and uh, it was great having you on the podcast. It was really an honor. I'm glad that we were able to connect through. Joe uh, DeSena, CEO and founder of Spartan Race, going to be taking on that death race Uh, Last week of June, don't know when it starts, don't know when it ends, and uh, that is extremely scary. To all those people that are listening on Apple, Spotify, Audible, Google Podcasts, uh, you can head over to the website, lifecoach.com, if you want to connect. Don't forget to leave an honest review. We recommend five stars. I'm going to drop Dr. Bajednik's uh, socials, her website, uh, links to a lot of the stuff.
1: Link to Murtak. Join us in Vermont at the end of June. Join us. It's open for everybody, so come on up.
0: Exactly. Link to Murtak. I'll drop the link to Murtak in the podcast notes. Dr. Vajednik, thank you so much for your time today. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon.
1: My pleasure. Thanks, Zach.